Good morning. Welcome. Good to see you today. How was your weekend? It's a little quiet here. Nobody laughed at that at all. Nobody took the bait. It was a quiet weekend, as if. Anyway, so good to see you on this Sunday morning. So good to be together in the house of the Lord. You know, we've got a lot to celebrate over the weekend, but you know, that'll die out. For eternity, we'll stand before our Savior. And a victory over Richland Springs will pale in comparison to that for all eternity. Amen. Amen. I know right now we might have a hard time swallowing that. (laughs) But it's true. It's true. There's nothing in this world that holds a candle to our Savior. And one day, we'll forget about football. We'll want... All all we will want to do is gaze at His glory and and bask in the blessings of being one of His children and be thankful forever. So I'm so thankful you're here. God bless you for coming. If you're visiting with us today, uh, whether you're online or you're here with us in person, we sure would like to know that you're with us. And if you're so inclined, nobody's going to twist your arm Uh, It's on the screen if you're online or it's in the bulletin if you're here with us. There's a QR code. If you know how to scan one of those, we'd love just for you to let us know that you were visiting with us today. Uh, You scan that, it'll open up a web page. Just go down to the bottom and there's a connection card there you can fill out. We won't harass you. We just want to know that you were here. A few announcements I want to make. Uh, First of all, tonight at 6.30 is our monthly business meeting. And members of the church, to remind you that this is it's your right as a church member. It is your privilege and it's your responsibility to take part in these meetings, to participate. So please, make every effort to attend. I know when you hear the word business, it, it sounds boring. Uh, even my own children have said, tonight business meeting. And, and then, you know, just this joy and happiness next. But uh, uh, please come. It, it's your right, your privilege, your responsibility. Uh, our next round of Arctic Barnabas Blessing Boxes are going out this week. So please make sure that you get um, anything you're going to donate. Of course, there's a list there on the wall. Get that, bring it back, and put it in the box in the foyer. Finally, uh, it's time to start focusing on Operation Christmas Child. The Women of the Word ministry here at church, they are... Um, Trying to fill as many shoeboxes as possible at the end of October. So if you are interested in in letting them shop for you, or if you want to go shop yourself and grab a box, um, you can grab a box and fill it and bring it back. But if you want them to shop for you, just give a donation earmarked to Women of the Word or Operation Christmas Child, and and they'll take care of that for you. Or if you'd like, you can just give give your, um, your donation to Kayla Forham. Is there anything else we need to... Announced right now, this morning. Okay. All right. Well, would you please stand as we have our call to worship together? Now, there's there's three slides. So if you would join me on the third. So I'll read the first two. We'll all read the third one. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Let's worship the Lord together.
Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Father, it is indeed a privilege to be in your house today. People who were at one time far off, cut off from Christ, now have been brought near through the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, that may not be everyone who is here today uh, that has been brought near. We ask God uh, for the sake of your Son, Jesus, uh, and on account of the fact that your gospel message will be heard today, that the Holy Spirit would take those today who are far off and would bring them near through the blood of Christ. Lord, we thank you for the redemption that is ours, the forgiveness of sins in our Savior, Christ Jesus. We thank you that it is not our work that secured our redemption. It wasn't our work that secured our forgiveness. It's our Savior's work. He came and was born of the Virgin Mary. He was not like one of us in that he was not born sinful. Neither did he live a sinful life, Lord, but he was born in perfection and he lived in perfection and he died with our imperfection placed upon him. We owe our all to him who willingly laid down his life for us that we might have life. So Lord, I pray today that this would be clear to the lost And Lord, for those of us that we know that we have been brought near, just remind us of it, Lord, in humility. May we worship and glorify the Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, we do lift up our church. Lord, help us today as we worship, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Not just with our our lips, uh, to where our heart can be disconnected and we can be thinking about other things. But Lord, center us upon you. Give us a glimpse today of your glory that we might worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, as we open your word later and it is preached, we pray that the spirit would do what only the spirit can do, which is to apply the truth of the authority and power of scripture to the heart of a person. We pray that we would leave here different than when we arrived. Lord, we pray also for our church and the many ministries that you've uh, privileged us with that we can have uh, children come together on Wednesday night and learn about you that we can have youth come together on Wednesday night and learn about you that we have ladies who want to be women of the word and who long to see others be women of the word that you've given us the gift of giving Lord and have once again used us feeble as we are uh, to outgive our goal for reach Texas offering we praise you for that you are the one worthy of all praise not us We thank you, Lord, that you give us so many opportunities to minister. We thank you, Lord, that even right now there are people sitting somewhere outside this church who are listening online, who are worshiping. We pray that their souls will be touched. Father, we pray for our community, and we know that outside of our walls there are folks that have needs, both physical and spiritual. We pray, God, that by your grace you would bring those to our attention, that you would give us... um, Grace to step in, courage. She would give us compassion. Help us to have a burden for the lost, Lord. I pray that they would know that this is a safe place for them to come and learn about you. But not only is it a safe place, it's a place that's going to challenge them, to encourage them to give their lives to Christ through the hearing of the gospel. Lord, we also lift up our country. And we are in, um, we, we, we understand that we have the best country in the world. We also know that we can be just one or two generations removed from the downfall of our nation. We know that we are in a slippery slope in so many ways. We ask God that you would turn the hearts, as you promised in Scripture, that you can turn the hearts of kings like like water, like a river. You can turn the king's heart wherever you will. We pray, God, that in your sovereignty, that you would continue to, to point us toward righteousness and truth as a country that in spite of those who would seek to bring morality um, even lower than it currently is, and that would exalt sin, uh, that you would break the efforts, that you would thwart the efforts of the enemy, and that righteousness and truth would prevail. We pray, God, that your church in the United States would stand strong, would stand upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, would stand firm on the gospel, would rely on the Holy Spirit and believe completely in your inspired word 
as we seek to be a light in a dark world. Lord, we thank you once again for the privilege of coming together, of being the church. And we pray your richest blessings on the rest of our service. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. If you open your copy of God's Word to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. I love, love, love this book. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. Written to God's people who were saved by a covenant that God came to them. So let's listen to this together and read it together. Okay, it's Hebrews 12, 1 through 14. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. And your hardship as discipline, God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters of, at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, rather, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord.
you are name above all names. Worthy to be praised. Beyond all that we could think or treasure or imagine, you are God. And we come this morning begging, Holy Spirit, that you would till the soil of our hearts and that you would speak to us in ways we've never been spoken to before so that our hearts may change and you be glorified. In the name of God alone we pray and all God's people said. Amen. Let me see if I can express what you're feeling. You know, my goodness, worship was, it was worshipful. How's that? That's a, that's, if, we, if we hit that mark, oh, praise God. Praise God. If you would, please take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Ezekiel. Um, while you're turning there, I want to assure you, if my voice cracks today, I'm completely done with puberty. Um, I was at a football game on Friday, and so I was just praying that I would have a voice on, on Sunday. Um, none of you can relate, I know. Um, but please turn to Ezekiel chapter 36. We'll be looking at verses 16 to 28 today. We're in a sermon series called This Glorious Grace. Subtitle of today is The Gracious Gift of Holiness. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you should find a hardback black one. Uh, if you'll turn to the back, uh, actually to the front, find page 616. You'll be at Ezekiel 36. Um, while you're turning there, because Ezekiel is one of those books we don't, we don't find ourselves in too often. You may be searching for it. Uh, while you're, you're turning there, I just want to let you know, Ezekiel, in, in a lot of ways, is not a happy book. It's not a happy book. Um, two things that, that you need to know before we get to, to reading this morning. Uh, the people of God are in exile. They're in exile. God has kicked them out of their land. In fact, the temple in Jerusalem has has been built, has long since been built. But Ezekiel records that the glory of God left the temple. And so this is dark. This is a dark time. And that's going to be important for us to remember as we look at the gracious gift of God's holiness in Ezekiel. So would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Ezekiel 36 verses 16 to 28. This is the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. Their ways before me were like the uncleanness of a woman in her menstrual impurity. So I poured out my wrath upon them for the blood that they had shed in the land, for the idols with which they had defiled it. I scattered them among the nations. And they were dispersed through the countries. In accordance with their ways and their deeds, I judged them. But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name. In that, people said of them, These are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. When through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. Let's pray together. Lord God, it's a powerful passage of scripture. It starts out rather dark, 
However, there is a beautiful light of grace as you pledge putting who you are as God behind this pledge, this guarantee, this promise, this decree that you are going to call your people back home. You're going to make them new. And you are going to give them the gracious gift of holiness in that having been made new now with a new spirit, a new heart, a new will, they will walk in holiness before you. Lord, who of us could ever imagine that looking back at our past, we could be where we are today, but by the grace of your holy gift. Lord, use this time for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I hope you're enjoying on Sundays uh, the time of Scripture reading. We do that on purpose. Uh, it ought to be abundantly clear to anyone, to anyone who comes to our church that we are a people of prayer and a people of the book. And so this morning, Shirley, thank you Shirley, read from Hebrews chapter 12. And at the end of verse 14, there's, there's a verse there that sticks out. And it's this. It says at the very end, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now in one sense, this verse reads like a math problem. You know, 2 plus 2 equals 4. Of course, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. But in another sense, it sounds like a death sentence. Strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. God is holy, holy, holy. Fallen humanity is unholy, unholy, unholy. What are we to do since an unholy people cannot see a holy, holy, holy God? This is what I want you to keep in mind today. What the Lord requires, the Lord provides. What the Lord requires, the Lord provides. I've mentioned this a number of times. Hopefully you've read it in Scripture. Isaiah chapter 6. That's where Isaiah receives his call to be a prophet. And in that moment in time, this, this sequence of events that take place in a vision of, of Isaiah, that Isaiah has of the Lord. And he says he saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. And there were these flying heavenly creatures flying around, crying out one to another, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And in that moment, Isaiah said, Woe is me, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. In other words, Isaiah realized, God is holy. I am not. In that moment, Isaiah should have been incinerated. However, Isaiah records that there was one of the heavenly creatures who went with some tongs and grabbed a coal and came and touched it to Isaiah's lips. And he says, your sins have been removed so that Isaiah could stand holy in the presence of a holy God. In that moment, Isaiah had to have holiness. And what the Lord required of Isaiah, the Lord provided. And in this morning's text, God tells Ezekiel, this is going to be the very thing he does for his exiled people. The holiness that God requires of his people. He promises to provide. Now the text begins with the depths of depravity. We see Israel, an unholy people living in an unholy land. Notice in verse 17, God's own words, Son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. They defiled the land. Not only did they defile the land, but they were unclean before God. It's rather a stark way of describing the uncleanliness. It says they were like the uncleanness of a woman in her menstrual impurity. I know you want me to skip past this. 
And in, in today's time, and, and, and you, I know you're, you're, some of you are old enough to remember some of the commercials. What they would say uh, in years past, you just, I wish you'd just leave well enough alone and not make a commercial about that. It's almost as if today, um, commercials have a way of cleaning up things that are awfully grody, disgusting. I'm, I'm not trying to be overly gross here, but what I'm trying to get across is if you listen to the culture, you know, for God to describe people's sins in the way that he does, people might say it's not all that bad. I mean, come on, that's, that's not that bad. But I want you to notice the, the terms defiled and unclean. A few years back, we went through the book of Leviticus together. And, and you might be thinking, well, I've heard defiled before. I've heard unclean before. That's, that's temple language. That's priestly language. It reminds us of the holiness codes of God. And God's people, having these codes, have fallen desperately short. Well, God will not suffer His holiness to be impugned. And so God judges their unholiness. We see in the text Israel's unholiness judged. Let me tell you, when I was writing this on my computer, it didn't want to recognize the word unholiness. I don't know if that's a stage that we're in now as a culture, but it didn't want to recognize the word unholiness. But God judges Israel's unholiness. Notice in verse 18, it says that he poured out his wrath. So I poured out my wrath upon them. Why? For the blood they had shed in the land. It's murder. God promised, or he he prophesied. He told the people the depths of the depravity to which they would fall, such that even children were being sacrificed. Much like abortion. He poured out his wrath for the blood they had shed in the land and also for the idols with which they had defiled it. So God poured out his wrath upon the people and that was visible through the fact that God scattered his people. He poured out his wrath and it was visible through his people being scattered. Verse 19, I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed through the countries. Now I want you to notice what God does here. His land is impure, defiled, and unclean. And God cleans up His land. He removes the uncleanness. He removes the defilement from the land by taking His own unholy people out of it. That is not sad and ironic. But God had to do that to His people. Well, God's not unfair. He's, He's simply executing justice here. He says, verse 19, uh, yes, verse 19 at the end. In accordance with their ways and their deeds, I judged them. It was a righteous judgment. It was a just judgment. Israel's ways and their deeds, they deserved that punishment. She wasn't unjustly punished. But this is not the end of, of you can, you can look at the first three points that I'm making here and you can see just kind of a downward, downward, downward trajectory. They've, they are unholy people in an unholy land. God scatters them in judgment. And now look, they go to the nations and God's name there in the nations is treated as unholy. Verse 20. But when they, this is God's people, came to the nations wherever they came, They profaned my holy name. Now notice how they profaned God's holy name. It's not so much about what they have done. It's more about what the nations say about them. Look at the verse. They profaned my holy name in that people said of them, These are the people of the Lord. And yet they had to go out of his land. Look, the nations profaned. God's name. When God raised up Israel in the sight of the nations, His plan, His desire, His purpose for doing that was that 
Israel might make God's name great among the nations. Oh, how far she's fallen. Now the nations think so little of God since His people are scattered out of His land, dispersed among the countries. So what do we have? We have an unholy land who had an unholy people and caused God's name to be treated as unholy. Just a downward trajectory. And against this particular dark background, now we are ready, now we are primed to behold the beauty of God's gracious gift of holiness. It's a gift. A gift to His people Israel. Notice where God starts. See right now, God's name is treated as unholy. Notice where God starts with His people. He starts... With his name. God's name is vindicated as holy. Notice in verses 21 and 22 God's greatest concern is the glory of his holy name. Verse 21 But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake. Did that, did that strike you as funny? For God to say, this isn't about you, this is about me. That's basically what God is saying. It's not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. God is not among His people or even um, around the people, uh, the, the people that to which now the, the people of God have been exiled. God will not allow His name to be profaned, to be treated as unholy. God doesn't say, but I had concern for my people. No, He says, but I had concern for my holy name. Here's what we need to understand here. Salvation is in no way man-centered. He said in verse 22, It is not for your sake that I am about to act. No, salvation is not man-centered. It is God-centered. He says, But for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. See, God is about to act. He's going to start with His own glory because all that God is and does brings nothing but glory to His name. How will God uh, vindicate His name as holy? It will be this way. He will vindicate His holy name through His actions toward His people. Verse 23. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And listen to this. And the nations will know. They will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. How? When through you, these unholy people went through you, I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. The people who profaned my name, they won't do it long because I'm going to show them through you who I really am. You might think, hasn't God already in this text vindicated His holiness I mean, after all, he's judged Israel, and rightly so. God says, you profaned my name among the nations. So, sure, God has vindicated his holy name. But God's going to go further. He says, through you, an undeserving people, I'm going to vindicate my holiness for the eyes of all the nations. And I will bring glory to my name. Now, I want you to notice something. There's there's a connection here between these three words on the screen. Grace, I'm sorry, glory, grace, 
and holiness. Glory, grace, and holiness. Now God has glorified His name in judging His people. Now God is going to glorify His name by saving and sanctifying His people. Now God will bring glory to His name. That's the first word. When by His grace, that's the second word, He gives His people the holiness, third word, He requires of them. God will glorify His people when by His grace He gives them the very holiness He requires of them to walk before them. That is good news to a people who are separated from God and His land that He is going to take the first step for the glory of His name and out of grace call them to Himself and make them a holy And that's exactly what he does. Out of concern for his glory, Israel is made holy. Notice in verse 24 how God calls. He says, I will take you from the nations and gather you, and notice this word, from all the countries and bring you into your own land. God is the one who calls them. They don't all of a sudden think, you know... I." This living in exile is not fun. I think I'll go home. You know why? They couldn't. They couldn't. They were in bondage in the places where they had been exiled. They could not win their own freedom. God says, I'm more powerful than those who hold you. I'm going to call you. I'm going to take you. I'm going to gather you. I'm going to bring you from all the countries where you went. God calls, but He doesn't stop there. God cleanses, verse 25. And I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. And notice the word, from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. You hear sprinkle clean water, you think of Leviticus, the holiness codes. You think of clean from uncleanness, again, you think of Holiness codes. You think about what was one of Israel's greatest downfalls. It was idolatry. And God says, I'm going to clean you. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to remove your greatest obstacle. They have no power over me. Exactly. That's what I said. God made His people holy. He sanctified them. But God doesn't stop there. God creates. When I say God creates, God creates new people. New people. Notice verse 26 and 27. And I will give you a new heart. How does He do that? I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. God removes the resistant heart, the heart that would not bow to God's will, who despised His law, who put it down under their feet and trampled upon it with their lives and their lips. He took that heart from them and He says, I'm going to give you a new heart. But then God also creates new people through giving them a new spirit. He says, and a new spirit I will put within you. Verse 26. And then verse 27, he says, I will put my spirit within you. Now understand, where had had God's lone residence been at this time? It was the temple. That's where his, his glory there, his presence was made manifest there. Now God is saying, those who I call and who I cleanse and who I create new, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create you to be a place where I can dwell even in your own heart. And then God gives them a new will. He says, verse 27, I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. I will cause you, I will be the cause of you walking in my statutes. I will be the cause of your careful attention to obey 
my rules. Not only does God make people holy, He makes them new in order to walk in holiness. Sanctified people so that they can walk in sanctification. In this text, we see sanctification both accomplished. God says, I will remove your heart of flesh or stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll make you new. Sanctification accomplished right there. They are holy people. But now, sanctification applied as they walk in holiness. God says, I will cause you to walk in obedience to me. There's no doubt, should be no doubt in any of our minds, that sanctification accomplished and applied are so intertwined that you cannot separate them. I will come back to that in weeks later on. But know this, God won't provide one without the other. God won't just accomplish salvation uh, or sanctification in, in, in some kind of numinous um, extraterrestrial place that you can't see. No, He'll accomplish it in you as proof that you have been made holy. And when God does that, He gives exactly, notice this, He gives exactly what He requires in order to be in a right relationship with His people. We leave with this. Remember we started unholy land, unholy people, unholy name. And God starts with His name, and then He continues to His people, and now He turns to His land. God and Israel are reconciled. Look at verse 28. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people. And I will be your God. Only God could do this. Only God could reconcile himself to Israel. Notice what he says. It's not temporary. He says you'll dwell in the land. It's not temporary. You're going to build houses. You're going to settle down there. You're going to dwell in the land. You're going to be my people. And I'm going to be your God. Notice how things between God and His people and between God's people and God's people has all been put right. There's a character in mythology. can't tell you who it is. Some of you are probably smarter than me and know who it is. Who each day had to push a boulder up a hill only to arrive just short of the top before the boulder rolled all the way down to the bottom all over again. It was an everyday cycle. I want to say that in, in preaching a passage like this, there's two boulders that I feel like I push up a hill. Okay, And the first boulder is this. It's verse 16. where you, you, In 17, verse 17. Trying to convince an unregenerate person that they are defiled by their ways and deeds and before God, they are as unclean as a woman in her menstrual impurity. The first boulder is to, to, to point out the truth about what the Bible says about a person's sinful state and then to say, this is you. And most of the time, I don't want to say most of the time. It's a hard sell sometimes for people to believe. Yeah, that's me. I, that, that's me. Here's the second boulder. When God says, I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your idols. I'll give you a new heart, a new spirit. I'll put my spirit within you, cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. The second boulder is this. It's convincing the regenerate. This is you. This is you. God has done this for you. The two reasons I think the boulder will often roll to the bottom of the hill for the regenerate is this. One, it's a failure to believe God's word. To, to believe His revealed word, His promises, His decrees. And say this. That's not me. What God says right there, that's, that's just not me. I know me. I know me. I know believers. It sounds good. But, but I kind of put it in the place of theory instead of practice. There's a second reason I think the boulder will roll to the bottom among believers, it's, it's this. It's a failure to rely in faith on the grace that God provides for us to walk in holiness. Let me repeat that. It's the failure to rely in faith on the grace that God provides for us to walk in holiness. 
what we are often so prone to do is to rely more on our own efforts to walk in holiness. And then we wonder why we fail and why we give in to despair and cynicism. A.W. Pink, great quote here. It applies to what I just said about that second boulder. The great mistake made by most of the Lord's people is in hoping to discover in themselves that which is to be found in Christ alone. Galatians 3.3, Paul writes, Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? That's why Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live, and underline these words in your Bible, by faith. By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I think that's where oftentimes we fail to receive God's gracious gift of holiness is that we try so hard apart from a faith in the Son of God Because, friends, we cannot live apart from faith in the Son of God. I want to speak to believers right now. Out of concern for His holy name, God sent His Son into the world to take the punishment for your sin and to pay the full penalty for sin. Listen to this. Sin's power has been broken in you. You are a new creation. Christ has sanctified you. And out of, it, out of concern for their own glory, the Father and the Son have sent the Spirit to live in you to cause you to walk in holiness. The Spirit is sanctifying you. God in Christ has given you, in, in Christ through the Spirit, for His glory, has given you the gracious gift of holiness. Will you believe this? Will you rely in great in faith? Will you rely in faith on the grace the Spirit gives to walk in holiness? Will you really receive God's gracious gift of holiness? Let's pray. Father, we do want to receive your gracious gift of holiness. Lord, where we are prone to walk in our own efforts, Please wean us off of that through your discipline, by your grace. Cause us to be people who truly do believe that you have accomplished sanctification in us and you are accomplishing in it, in it, accomplishing sanctification through us. Lord, help us to not doubt. When we have doubts, help us to bring them to you. Help us to be people who live by faith in the Son of God that what you have started in us, you will be faithful to complete. Lord, make this make us understand that this is true. In Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing, give us clean hands. If there's any sort of decision you'd like to make during this time, you're more than welcome to do so as we all sing.
that home. Take two. You may want to take that song home with you. I know I do. Um, you know, having, having just preached about, about the holiness of God and receiving the gift, just praying, Lord, give us clean hands. A few updates on our prayer list. Um, does anyone know anything more about Addie? Sue, you know anything more about Addie? Now that she was, she had a busy end of the week. Okay, she had more treatments on Friday. Um, continue to pray for Judge. When you pray for him, just pray that that God blesses him with more good days than bad days. I'm betting Friday was a good day for Judge. Also pray for for Ben Campbell and for Blake. Um, I don't know if you all know, uh, Ben is at um, St. David's North Medical Center in Austin. He's on a ventilator. Um, he's he's non-responsive, and, and Blake is now to the point where he's going to have to make some really tough decisions. Um, so please pray uh, for Blake and, and for Ben. Um, Candace is doing well. Uh, if you haven't been by to see her yet, she loves the visitors. She'll talk your ear off. It's great. She's at Granite Mesa, which is behind Home Depot in Marble Falls. But she would love to see you. I'm thankful to report Chris Maddox, who had been in the hospital last week at uh, St. David's Round Rock. She's now home. Um, and so continue to pray for her. There's still some, uh, some things unresolved yet that they're just hoping to get answers to. But pray for her. Um, John, you're, you're doing well, aren't you? You're still here. Okay, that's that's a start. Okay. And Mary Catherine's doing well? Okay, great. And your mom's supposed to have something some kind of procedure before long? New valve. New valve, do you know when that is? When is she gonna have that happen? Okay. All right. Good deal. Larry, glad you're here. You reckon we could take you off this list or oh, that's always a good thing. Okay, Larry said thank you so much for the prayer, the cards. And uh, Lord, uh, Larry, we're, we're glad to see you here, brother. Any other updates? I'm, I'm not sure of any others. Oh, just so you know, Rose Gray is in the nursing home in Lano. Yes. Yes. Oh, our, uh, Oh, yes, Erling. Yeah, go, go visit Erling. Okay, thank you for saying that. I didn't have time the other day, unfortunately. But, uh, yes, Erling is there as well. Um, do you have an update on uh, Kayla Rigney? Okay. Okay, all right. Anyone else before we pray? All right, let's stand. We'll have a, a brief time of prayer. We'll say the Great Commission. We'll be dismissed. Don't forget, members, please come be a part of the business meeting tonight. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful uh, to have the privilege of coming before you, uh, holy and mighty God, uh, with these requests. Lord, we do lift up Addie to you, and knowing that she has a long road of, ahead of her, that you would just bless her uh, with the grace she needs uh, to take each day one at a time. We pray for her parents. Uh, for her family as they seek to walk by her, beside her, and give her the support she needs. Uh, so, Lord, bless bless that family. Lord, we also pray for Judge, uh, and ask the same for for him and his family that you would um, bless them with strength and comfort and peace as they all walk together during this time. Lord, I pray for 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 Ben and for, especially for Blake today, uh, as he begins to process uh, the decisions that lie before him. I pray that you'd give him grace and wisdom. Lord, may his pre your presence just be palpable, tangible. May he feel like you're just right there wrapping your arms around him. Lord, we thank you for the positive things that we're hearing from Candace and pray that you continue to heal her. And Lord, for others that uh, we did not mention today, we pray that your blessing would rest upon them. Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. Well, let's say the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them,